You're listening to SuperPod, the no-filter MSP show presented by SuperOps.ai, where we go behind the scenes with today's top MSP owners and experts and get to know what they are really doing to evolve their business. Hey, everyone. How's it going out there? So welcome, everyone, to SuperPod, the no-filter MSP show. Today I have one of the most influential uh, MSP channel figures. The reason he helps MSPs with one of their core problems or one of the most talked about problems, selling, specifically selling via LinkedIn, right? So, you know, it's pretty simple. You put a hashtag MSP and then scroll through LinkedIn. You're going to find at least every third post talking about difficulties of selling via LinkedIn. And our guest for the day has pretty much cracked this formula and is helping a lot of MSPs crack it as well. This, in addition to being, a, you know, what I call as an extreme go-giver in the MSP world, a columnist of the Channel Executive Magazine, a creator of a lot of courses around, you guessed it right, LinkedIn selling, and a true entertainer, right? So today I have Andrew Moon. Hey, Andrew, what's up? Hey, Praveen, good to be here, my friend. Yeah, I'm excited about today's topic. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm, I can't wait to get, pick your uh, brains on that. And, uh, you know, uh, it's half past 12, uh, I mean, uh, half past 12 at the place where you're uh, this thing. So I'm not going to, you know, keep you waiting before I jump on to the topic today, because one, I'm personally excited about, and two, I'm pretty sure our listeners don't have a clue about, uh, you know, what we are going to be talking, right? Because they relate you to LinkedIn, but the topic that we're going to be discussing today is complete polar opposite to that. <laughs> Okay, so jumping quickly onto my first section, Andrew, something that's very pertinent uh, for the world that we live in today, uh, especially in the last one year, right, since we've gone into lockdowns and, you know, there's second wave hitting different parts of the world, the work-life balance of MSP owners. So I just wanted to get your first thoughts, reason being, you know, a lot of MSP owners are hesitant to take even personal vacations or spend time with families and friends because there's always a server that's breaking. There's always a computer that's not working. And there's always a client who's emailing you about an urgent issue. So given the fact that MSPs are constantly under the pump, how do you recommend MSPs even take a break? You know, that that's a tough one because, you know, as an entrepreneur, it's hard to, when we're invested in our companies, it's, it's hard to kind of step back and, and take the needed breaks that we need to as well. It, it actually is more complicated when we're running an IT firm. I found that being an MSP was probably one of the hardest companies that I've run. Uh, I've run multiple companies, but the 24-7 nature of IT now and the client expectations are much different than they were. In, I, when I started my MSP in 2004, that was prior to the iPhone. That was prior to Facebook. That was prior to that always on uh, presence that everybody feels locked into now. So mm -hmm. it is compl it's more complicated for MSPs now, and it got even more complicated this last year mm -hmm. uh, because everybody's looking to IT to be able to solve a problem, and that's for them to be able to keep in business. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's one of the things that, that I talk with a lot about uh, with MSPs, and that's what we talk about is building a calm business. And it's difficult to do, and it feels like at times it might even feel impossible to do as an MSP, but it, but it is possible. Um, and that's what I try, really try to help MSPs and coach them through 
is just the different mindset with how to run a company and how to be more in control of the company that you're running rather than the, the reverse taking place. Got it. I, I think you made a very pertinent point. I just want to, you know, kind of probe into that because you've run an MSP, as you rightly pointed out, in the pre uh, cell phone or pre iPhone era, right? So, which is way back. So, just wanted to ask you with, do you think this problem is more pertinent now, given that there are a lot more apps that we use, a lot more technological advances? And, you know, every other person, I mean, because 10 years back, I wouldn't think as much about technology servers, uptimes, and stuff like that. There weren't as many technology business as there were today. So do you think a factor of it is also to do with, you know, the growth in technology uh, businesses? Definitely. I mean, just the people have a device in their hand 24-7. And that was the case prior to COVID. But now it's even more the case. Now we're sitting at home with our devices. People are working longer. We're finding that, you know, an MSP's clients are working much different hours. They're not, they're not clocking out at five o'clock and going home like they used to, you know, they're doing work up till 10, 11 o'clock at night, which again, that complicates the schedule that complicates the service ability of an MSP to be able to deliver that quality service. So yes, people, the addiction that people have to technology now, like, you know, that, I can't stress that enough, you know, and, and we're training our children to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. We're training the next generation of the workforce to be tied to a screen 24 seven. And that expectation that when, you know, my son's 17 now, he doesn't understand when things don't work. He gets frustrated very quickly because it should just always work. And I think that that expectation has trickled all the way up to upper management of the, you know, the clients that we're running that expectation that things need to be working 24 uh, seven has, has greatly increased, which has increased the pressure on an MSP. Got it. I think I kind of uh, resonate uh, with you, Andrew, but uh, you know, as an MSP, how do you think I could be solving this right on one, one uh, you know, on one lens, the technological business is coming in, which means more opportunity for me as an MSP. But on the flip side, you know, as you rightly pointed out, I want everything to work just off the bat, right? So I'm, I'm battling between two sides of the same coin, yet I want to take an off. So where do you think MSP owners are missing the trick in taking this uh, break, right? Uh, are they not communicating uh, with their clients properly to say, hey, you know what, probably we'll have a downtime for 10 days or something like that. Is it to do with expectation setting or is it to do with how they are setting up their system. So just wanted to know where are MSP owners missing the trick when it comes to having a proper work-life balance? You touched on it, you know, immediately and it's the expectations. And, and I know when I started my MSP, we want to provide the best service. We're afraid that we're going to lose a customer. So we do a lot of extra things that we don't necessarily charge for. We do a lot of things after hours on, on the weekends because you know, at the core of who we are as MSPs, we're introverted customer service agents. We, we want to do people well. And I think that, 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 that never, when we create that habit, when we first start our company, it's really hard to let that habit go because that becomes an expectation of the client that, oh, you've always done that. Oh, now you're going to charge me for it. Or now, you know, instead of doing it on Saturday, you're going to make me wait till Monday. But I think that, you know, I talked a lot about this yesterday on my live stream 
now is the be probably the best time to sit and reset expectations with your clients because the world has completely changed. Their company has changed. An MSP is com their company has changed in the last year. You know, they're feeling the exact same pressures that a client is feeling to take care of themselves, to take care of their employees, to take care of profitability, make sure that they're running and healthy and helping your clients to see, you know, it's more of a, a working together and resetting that. How do we, how do we fix the modern workplace? And I think we've all known that the modern workplace is, it has been sick for a long time and COVID has kind of escalated that. Um, and now it's, it's our chance to, as an MSP, to change that discussion, to change, you know, that, to talk about that work-life balance and who greater to talk about the, the addiction and the uh, unalignment of people's lives with technology and, and their addiction to technology than the technology provider themselves. And when you're leading the example and you're, I encourage an MSP to go in and have these discussions with your clients. Mm -hmm. How do we help your clients? How do we help your employees better manage working from home? How do we help them better manage the addiction to technology and give them useful tools to be able to use to break that addiction? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's kind of where we're missing the boat is on the education part of that. We're just running 24 seven because that's what everybody's always done. But I think now with COVID, the, the empathy is there that hasn't been there before. Awesome. And I think that's now it's time to go in and have a different discussion with you know, your clients about technology, about how to make it useful for their life, not necessarily just for working all the time. Got it. I think if I have to sum up what you said, how MSP should be handling it is, you know, we just coined a new term here, Andrew. It's called the three E's approach, right? Expectations, education, and empathy. <laughs> so exactly. I think, yes. So uh, set the expectations with your client, educate them on how you can help them with this uh, digital detox journey for, for their, you know, wellness and mental health, for your own wellness and mental health. And I mean, there, there should be empathies on both parts, right? From the client side and as well as from the MSP side. Yes, yes, definitely. And like I said, we have a chance to change the perception of the industry right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we don't have to be just the guy who comes in and fixes stuff. Now we yes. have a chance to take a leadership role because we have a more important seat at the table than we've ever had as an MSP. People know how reliant they are on technology now that, they may not have thought of a year ago. I, I, absolutely. I think you, you nailed it, right? Because, you know, one of the biggest opportunities I see is a lot more, uh, you know, IT teams are open to talking to MSPs to, uh, to outsource a part of their job or what they do every day. And I think through this education, what it does is also conveys a trust, uh, you know, they, IT teams start seeing you as a trust partner rather than someone who competes with you, right? Because you're caring for their wellness and how they operate as well over there. I mean, they don't deserve to work on the weekends as well. Exactly. Yeah, they're people as well. They have families. They have the exact same concerns all of us do. Yes. So yeah, that's that's a great point. Yes. Uh, Andrew, again, uh, one more thing, right? So I, I, I've been talking to a lot of MSP owners, one as part of this podcast and as part of my uh, you know daily job as well. So one thing that I've uh, noticed is uh, you know the hesitancy amongst MSP owners to hire newer techs. 
or you know uh, people into their msp be it for marketing sales or just handling support or you know pretty much for any role and uh, you know while one part of the hiring also comes from the difficulty to find the right talent do you think that's kind of uh, you know uh, being a hindrance to uh, the work life balance of msp owners or msp technicians uh, the unwillingness to kind of expand their team i i think it is and and that was one of the parts of being an MSP that I'll, I'll be honest, I hated HR. I hated the hiring process. I hated trying to, you know, I just hate the whole process around hiring. So what I actually started doing on LinkedIn, you know, and using LinkedIn was to connect to other techs. You know, you may not have a necessarily a need, but being part of tech communities and doing networking virtually, so you can kind of get to know you know, different texts, you can get to know personalities, you can get to know a little bit more about them way before you actually need to hire somebody. Because that's the worst place that you can be as an MSP is to be so desperate to find somebody that you hire the first person that can walk in and fog a mirror and type on a keyboard. And, you know, that's not a great way to, to bring on an employee is when you actually when your hair's on fire. So being more proactive is definitely one of the things that I recommend, you know, for MSPs, especially in the hiring process is to, to kind of build a stable of people that you can kind of, you know, maybe groom or when you need them to, to reach out to them. But um, I was just talking about this yesterday. And one of my best hires as a tech really had very little technical ability. He actually was working the front desk at a hotel. And if anybody's dealt with anybody at the front desk of a hotel, they know what kind of garbage that they deal with. They know that they have to be good with people. They have to have good demeanor. So that's what I started looking for in technicians first was their ability to be personable, the, their ability to work under fire because technical abilities we can teach. And especially at the help desk level, you know, a level one, level two technician, you can teach them how to use ConnectWise. You can teach them how to use the RMM tools. You can teach them how to fix a PC. It's, it's much harder to teach them how to deal with people and to do it in such a way where it builds customer service. It builds the relationship. So I would, and based upon the fact, I recommended this yesterday on my live stream again, that there's been many, that the hospitality industry has been decimated over the last year. So there are many unemployed folks in the hospitality industry that are phenomenal at customer service. So that would be a definitely, that would be a pool of folks that I would probably start looking for is somebody who can work customer service. You can teach them the tech, but don't be yes. afraid. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh, absolutely. I think the takeaway for me is, you know, uh, you know, don't kind of start hiring when there's an urgency. And, you know, as you rightly pointed out, I'm a big believer in that as well, that, you know, skills can be taught, what you do on your daily job can be taught, but your attitude is something that you carry with you, right? So you cannot teach to be empathetic, you cannot teach to be nice, or you cannot teach to be an active listener. So those yep. are skills either that you have or you don't have, or you develop it uh, with time. So I think that's a great, great, great insight uh, there, Andrew. <laughs> <clears throat> Perfect. Uh, again, uh, so again, I want to go back to one of the previous questions that you mentioned about, uh, you know, MSP owners having tools and systems in place to have a good work-life balance, right? So having empathy, education, and all those uh, stuff are part of one. 
and two, uh, you know, having good pool of people that you can trust and, uh, you know, second part of the, this thing. Third thing I wanted to touch up on was uh, the tools aspect, right? So uh, again, uh, what are the tools and systems they need to create one internally to ensure that we have a good work-life balance, one for themselves and their employees? Why, what kind of culture or what are the tangible and intangible things that MSP owners could do to encourage, you know, or talk about, or for the, or talk about mental health or things like that? I, you know, I think the first thing that we need to do, you know, as entrepreneurs is, is kind of get rid of the mentality that that hustle and grind and that 10x this and 10x that and that you have to grow because everybody else is growing. And that pressure that we have as, as entrepreneurs, our, our employees, those working for us will feel that pressure. They will do exactly what we do. So if we have that hustle mania mentality and that we work all kinds of crazy hours, your employees are naturally going to feel that they have to do that. So I think that that's the chance that we have is to change how we work uh, and our approach to work. And the other thing that it's hard to do as an entrepreneur, and I've seen that especially as an MSP, because we view our business as our, our baby, our child. And I think that that we need to start viewing our company as a product, not as a child. We get too emotionally attached to our companies. And I think that that mindset shift will allow you to make different decisions inside of your company. And, you know, we're all about protecting everything, protecting our intellectual property, protecting this, protecting that. We have to be about protecting the uh, attention span. We need to be about... A, you know, protecting the most important thing that we have is our employees, because we're only going to be able to grow. We're only going to be able to be as good as our employees are. So I think that that's what, you know, as far as like being able to throw tools and technology, I think it starts with the mindset first of an MSP that you do not have to work 24 seven. You don't have to do what everybody else does that you can do absolutely what is necessary for you. And so, you know, I think it needs to start in the mindset of an MSP that they deserve the right to have the day off that eight hours a day is enough. 40 hours a week is enough. And when you start living that yourself, when you start doing those things yourself, your employees will follow. And especially if for those employees that you've built that culture, that they're there to not just have a, a paycheck, they're there to fulfill the vision that you have as a company. And I think that that, that again, is, is one of those things that we have the chance to change the rules on that now. Yes, I think uh, you made a great point, Andrew, regarding you know not being able to fix people's problem with technology, right? That's how I would like to interrupt it because no matter, you know, n number of tools that you buy, you know, you can do all the fancy uh, tools that you can uh, bring into your organization. But if your culture and, you know, uh, the people around you don't believe in, you know, your business and don't believe in your vision, you're going to fa start falling apart sooner than later. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And, and, so, and yep. your customers have that same problem too. Mm -hmm. You know, your, your clients have the same problem. So helping them solve that problem I think is another opportunity to change the, the dynamics of the relationships we have with our clients.
Yes, absolutely. I think as an MSP owner or you know as someone who is a senior executive in a company, your job is not to solve your customers' problem, but also ensure that your employees are doing well, both mentally and at, at a job level, also, right? Because you hold that responsibility. They've given probably a one third of their day to you, so it's your responsibility to look after them. Yes, and I think that that's kind of a lot of MSPs, you know, miss that boat that they. They feel that it's a privilege just to write somebody a paycheck and that they should just appreciate the fact that you give them a paycheck. But that only is that's only going to take us so far. If that's all they're working for is the paycheck, we're only going to have them for a certain length of time. Our job as entrepreneurs is mm -hmm. to build leaders, not followers. Mm -hmm. So our job is to help them lead their next company. It's not about having employees and they do what I tell them because I pay them. Uh, and again, that's, again, another mindset shift that needs to happen in our industry. Yes, absolutely. I think I'm, I'm in some great, great, great points there. You know, the reason I take a break between questions is I've just been scribbling notes after notes after notes. Some great, great, great points, Andrew. So I think, you know, we cover a lot, lot of, uh, you know, uh, uh, stuff under work-life balance. And I kind of start feeling guilty that, you know, we haven't spoken about your area of expertise, right? Uh, you know, the LinkedIn side of things. I would love to uh, go in there and start, uh, you know, getting your insights there. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things that, that, that I struggled with as an MSP and every MSP to this day still struggles with, and that's sales and marketing. Yes. And I was in the same place. So I'll kind of go, you know, backwards in time to tell you how my LinkedIn, you know, journey has changed and my 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 use of linkedin comes from when i ran my msp mm -hmm. uh, and i like every other msp tried direct mail tr tried every single thing bought every single course out there on how to do marketing and really could not get anything to work i had been on linkedin since 2006 so i was one of the early adopters of linkedin I really didn't start to see the value in LinkedIn till about 2012. One of our core marketing uh, strategies as an MSP was in-person education events. We did lunch and learn events every quarter. And I think back to you know, one of the, the times that I was having problems getting people to get signed up, we were about two weeks out from one of our lunch and learn events. And I think I only had like six or seven people registered. So I went on my LinkedIn and decided I was going to send an individual message to about a hundred people and, you know, sent that. And again, as you know, it, that it's time consuming, but I was determined that I was going to do it just to see what happened. I went home for the night, didn't think anything of it, came back in the next morning and I had like 20 people registered for the seminar. And I started looking through the names. They were all people that I had sent that invitation to the night before on LinkedIn. And then one of them, the, the, my, the light bulb moment with LinkedIn came when I went into my inbox in LinkedIn. And I had about 30 or 40 messages from people that I had sent that invite to. And it was one after another, people saying, thank you so much for inviting me. Unfortunately, I can't come to this one, but please invite me to the next one. And it was one after the other after another. So that's when the light bulb went off for me that there might be something to LinkedIn. There might be something to the personal relationships that I had been establishing with those hundred people. And so I just I said, okay, let's just try it the next quarter. Let's just see if it was a fluke. 
the next quarter, I started all of our marketing and on LinkedIn. Everything we did was on LinkedIn. Didn't send any emails, didn't send any flyers, didn't do any mailers at all. We put about 50 people in a room all off of my LinkedIn list. Wow. And, and that's was, when I knew. Was, uh, sorry to interrupt. This was back in 2000? Yeah, this was about 2012, 2013, Got when it. I started documenting everything I was doing with LinkedIn. So at that point, I, that's what I did. I documented every single thing that we did with LinkedIn for the events. And then I started documenting how, what messages that we were sending out to people and one of the things that I would do with LinkedIn is not just send them a message request. If there was somebody that I wanted to be connected with and learn more about, I would invite them to go have coffee. I realize we can't do that now, but when we get back to that. Um, but I would go meet with people and I would not be there to sell them anything. All I was doing was building my business network. I was learning about people's industries. I was learning how people were connected here in the city I live in. And an amazing thing happened. I still get referrals from those people I had coffee with 10 years ago for IT, and I'm not even in IT, but they remembered. They remembered that conversation that I had with them and that everything that I was doing on LinkedIn wasn't just to sell them something. And that's when I knew that there was something to LinkedIn. Um, what I do now actually came about completely by accident. When I sold my MSP and six months we did the merger together i stayed six months on board and then left i had no plan at all of what i was going to do next i just knew that i had you know i had to, had to have that time to reset i was burnt out and the phone start you know email started dinging about a month after i had left and people wanted me to train them how to do linkedin like i was doing because people in my peer groups found out you know, they knew I would share with them the results that I had with LinkedIn. So that's kind of how the LinkedIn training and what we, a lot of what we do today is around LinkedIn. That's how it came about. It was completely by accident. You know, people started asking and then we developed it into a course and I do a lot of training and coaching on LinkedIn, but it still works. It unlocked all of the rest of our marketing off of LinkedIn. That's when I noticed our direct mail started working because I was using the warm relationships that I had on LinkedIn and was generating business every month from my LinkedIn list. And I still do. I mean, that's so, uh, you know, inspiring to hear because, you know, as a marketer, I was just like nodding, nodding, nodding all along because, you know, uh, what I liked about your approach was, you know, you, you rightly said that you weren't trying to sell, right? You were out there genuinely trying to build relationships, getting to know people and, you know, uh, your sale or, you know, the business you were getting was just a byproduct of you being sincere with your relationships, right? So that was exactly. so, so, so heartening to hear. So I think for all the MSP folks listening uh, out there, I think that's, uh, you know, probably uh, not LinkedIn, just marketing 101 out there. So just I'll try to be very, very genuine with, you know, your prospects or, you know, your peers, your fellow MSP owners, your vendors or whoever it might be, because you never know where your next opportunity is coming from. Exactly. Yes. Uh, Andrew, I wanted to touch upon a, a very, uh, you know, a kind of a, a LinkedIn, a, a social media topic, right? Because as an MSP owner, let's say I'm going to be having two pages, right? So uh, while I, I would use my personal profile to kind of uh, go genuinely build relationships with people, how do you recommend MSP owners use their company LinkedIn page? I do just the opposite of what everybody tells you to do. Every, you, you will always get more engagement and 
with your personal profile because mm -hmm. people want to engage with people. So, you know, everybody wants to have that engagement be on their company page, but mm -hmm. it won't, to be honestly, it'll never happen. You'll never get as much engagement on your company page unless you're Coca-Cola or Starbucks or, you know, a huge company like that. Mm -hmm. But so what I actually do is in, instead of posting things on my company page and then reposting those on my LinkedIn, on my personal profile, I do the mm -hmm. opposite. I will post something on my personal profile and then share it to my company pages Got because pe people tend to follow that. And it's amazing. People will, will click that link. They'll go out and check out your company page. And we gained followers, you know, and engagements on our company pages by what I'm posting on my personal page. Every guru out there teaches you to do the opposite, mm -hmm. to, to post the stuff on your company page and then repost it on your personal page. But, you know, why would you do that when you know the engagement's all going to come from your personal page anyway? So, yes, yes, completely um, agree, Andrew. I think that that's a great insight for not just MSPs out there, but I think every anyone and everyone who's trying to crack, uh, you know, LinkedIn for uh, marketing, right? So, uh, great, great, great insights there. Uh, quickly, just a couple of more questions around again LinkedIn. What do you think is the number one mistake a lot of MSP owners are uh, committing, uh, right? When it comes to especially uh, LinkedIn, and uh, you know, you did talk about a broader framework, but where do you think uh, the current MSP owners are, uh, are trying to miss the trick, or, or they are missing the trick? Two things I point out, and one of the first things that I work with with MSPs is your personal profile. That is your chance to be a real person. And too many MSPs have too much tech stuff on there. And, you know, your, your potential clients, people you're trying to connect to on LinkedIn, one, they don't really understand a lot of the stuff we have on our LinkedIn page if it's all tech. Number two, they don't really care. And let's face it, most of the clients don't really care how everything works. They just want it to work. But when we, we look at our LinkedIn profile, and it's about us being a person and connecting with them as a person, your, the dynamic completely changes in a relationship. Things completely change. People want to connect with people that are just like them. So if I set my profile up to be a human CEO and I'm trying to connect with other human CEOs, it's much easier to get connected in the first place. So that, that's you know step one is to make your personal profile about being a person. And especially in the, the about section of your LinkedIn profile, most MSPs either skip it or they do what the gurus tell them to do, which is paste the sales page of your website into that about us section where it's all tech stuff or I'm trying to sell you tech stuff. Make that about you as a person, why you got in business, what your beliefs are, a little bit about you as a person in your personal life. And then one of the things they miss out on, how do they, how do they contact you for more information? Having a small call to action, and especially now having a link to your calendar where you can just book a 15-minute virtual coffee meeting. So those are the things I point out first. The second mistake I see MSPs make, and, and it's not just MSPs. This is where every single salesperson on the planet misses the boat with LinkedIn. They feel like they got to get on there and be selling people stuff all the time. And that's yes. the reverse reaction that people have to LinkedIn. We hate it. People hate it when you go, when I connect with you and 30 seconds later, I get your sales pitch to download my ebook or go attend my webinar 
or mm -hmm. worse, buy something, I'm immediately turned off. You are blacklisted in my mind and you it is very hard to get people to change their mind about you if we're doing that. They put you in the same category as every other salesman on LinkedIn and they will ignore you. Yes. Uh, so that's the second mistake. Don't sell. Don't sell anything on LinkedIn. Yes, I think uh, the easiest way is the inversion technique, as I would call it. See what everyone else is doing and do the reverse of it, right? You see everyone around you selling, don't sell on LinkedIn. You see everyone else, you know, posting stuff from your brand profile, start posting stuff from your personal profile. I think lovely, lovely, lovely insights, uh, Andrew. <laughs> Uh, so uh, I'm going to uh, jump into the final section of our, uh, you know, episode, uh, which is uh, the rapid fire round where you don't have uh, probably more than two seconds to get an answer out. So <laughs> it's going to be uh, fun and I hope your answers are rapid and full of fire. All right, let's go. Yes. So what's your uh, number one productivity hack? Uh, get some sleep. Okay. <laughs> your biggest MSP pet peeve people trying to sell me stuff all the time. Okay. Uh, number one uh, resource you recommend MSPs uh, to check out, you know, it could be a podcast, it could be a YouTube channel, it could be a community or whatever. Read the book on marketing by Scott Stratton. That cha completely changed how I marketed in 2010. Perfect. Uh, what's your favorite uh, restaurant in Ohio? Favorite restaurant in Ohio? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I haven't, I haven't eaten in a restaurant in a year, so that's a tough one. I, I, there's a, actually a little Mexican place uh, that I love here, Habaneros. So that would probably be my favorite. Perfect, perfect. And uh, if you were to nominate one guest for our next uh, you know, episode, who would that be? Mm, I, I, Scott Stratton. I interviewed him a couple months ago. Um, I think that, you know, that, that book on marketing is it, it needs it's about human and it's about the unhypocritical marketing. Mm -hmm. Perfect. I think uh, we're going to be reaching out to him next on your recommendation. I think it was a great, great, great uh, podcast, uh, Andrew, because we touched upon a variety of topics and I got to take a lot of notes, a lot of frameworks that I'm going to be stealing and, you know, probably churning out a lot of content. You know, the three E's of taking a break, education, empathy and expectation. I think I loved it. And, you know, kind of with these three E's, how you can take an off, you know, how culture is a central point to building your MSP and, you know, the LinkedIn 101s of being genuine, not selling, being human with your social media. I think, you know, oh my God, I could just keep going for the next five minutes about all the insights and notes that I've written. So I enjoyed this conversation, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you very much for, uh, you know, coming to our podcast. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Perfect. Uh, so hopefully, I'll uh, see you in season two. Thank you very much. Sounds good. <laughs>